This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Well, welcome, friends, to worship here at Holland United Church of Christ. It's great to have you with us here for our official kickoff. Yay! excited for that. excited for that. Well, here at Holland UCC, whether you are a believer or a doubter, whether you're gay or straight, whether you're wondering or wandering, or whatever your story, you are welcome here. Well, we begin the service by recognizing the light of the world that is around us and within us. And we do that as we light these candles. And as this meditation bell is rung, allow those reverberations to calm you, center you, allow you to be present for this sacred time that we have together this morning. and by the sacred breath we share in our singing and our speaking and our silence. That voice which calls us to remember that we are not alone and that we are inextricably linked to all other life, woven into a vast tapestry of existence of which we are a powerful, integral, and holy part. And just as we've been called together here today, we act as the voice the heart, the hands of another call, the call to walk with the wanderers, sing and dance with the worshipers, proclaim the memory of those who have taken their leave, wrap the despairing and the broken in the arms of love and community, and hold the hands of all of us who have broken our vows and call us back again and again to the covenant and work of justice 
humility, and steadfast faithfulness. For this, we are here together today. So my friends, come yet again. Come, let us worship together. Words of Integration and Guidance by John Dominic Crossan. The earthly Jesus was not just a thinker with ideas, but a rebel with a cause. He was a Jewish peasant with an attitude, and he claimed that his attitude was that of the Jewish God. But it was, he said, in his life and in ones like it that the kingdom of God was revealed, that the Jewish God of justice and righteousness was incarnate in the world of injustice and unrighteousness. The kingdom of God was never just about words and ideas, aphorisms and parables, sayings and dialogues. It was about a way of life. And that means it was about a body of flesh and blood. Justice is always about bodies and lives, not just about words and ideas. Resurrection does not mean simply that the spirit or soul of Jesus lives on in the world. And neither does it mean simply that the companions or followers of Jesus live on in the world. It must be embodied, it must be the embodied life that remains powerfully at work in this world. The words of scripture, a reading of scripture from Isaiah 1, 10 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have, I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? this trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts, your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread your hands out in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do what is right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come, now let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. The Holy Gospel according to Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. 
So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. This feels like one of those stories you've heard before, doesn't it? When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today's salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. When I was a kid, uh, elementary school, junior high, one of the best parts of my summer, maybe the best parts of my year, was summer camp. We would go up to uh, this small lake somewhere up north and, uh, and spend a week. And this camp had maybe 40 or 50 acres on the side of this lake. Uh, of course, as a kid, it felt like 100 square miles. So it was just huge, right? All these trees, cabins, this great lake. And, um, well, it wasn't a great lake, but you know what I mean. Uh, a good lake for learning new things. So I met friends, learned songs, learned to swim in the deep part, deep part of the lake, learned to paddle and steer a canoe, learned to sail a boat, a small one. One of those sunfish, sailfish, you know what I mean. Um, and so camp was just, it was awesome. I just looked forward to it every time. And at the end of the day at camp, we would gather around a campfire. And we'd sing some songs, and they had, you know, row after wooden row around this huge bonfire. And counselors would do skits, and we'd have a talk. And this was... Uh, a Bible-believing camp, as they called it. And to my 10, 11-year-old self, that sounded like the kind of camp I wanted to be at. What do you think the goal of a campfire talk is at a Bible-believing camp? <laughs> you want an answer? Sure. Could <laughs> be Get them saved, right? Get them saved. Get these kids to hear about Jesus and pray the prayer. And so, you know, we would hear, you know, a good story and we'd hear about Jesus and why we needed him and why we needed him because what would happen if we didn't accept him. And as a little 10 or 11 year old, well, I don't have anything against Jesus and I kind of don't like the sound of that other option. So I'm in. So every summer, you know, I receive Jesus at camp. Sometimes twice in a week, you know. I mean, I just didn't want to miss out. And so I was in. And, uh, you know, at the end of camp, the camp director would, you know, be grateful for what had happened. And, you know, some kids were saved this week. Well, in our text, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. But I wonder if Jesus and my camp director were talking about the same thing. I wonder about that. Well, speaking of kids, it was Halloween this week. Anybody go trick-or-treating? One? 
couple. All right, a few, a few. I mean, we, we just had the kids leave, right? So, you know, anyone, anyone go with children who trick-or-treated? Maybe it's a better way to ask that. Well, we went. Uh, our kids love Halloween. Uh, they love candy, really. Uh, I think they're give or take on the dressing up, but they'll take the candy. And we got home, and uh, afterwards we ate some candy, and then we watched The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Right? It feels like tradition. We watched The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And, uh, of course, in that, uh, Linus is excited, and he's writing a note to this great pumpkin who's going to float in the sky over a pumpkin patch, giving toys to all the good little girls and boys. Seems like an obvious thing because I've seen the show so many times, right? But, uh, of course, Linus is apparently the only one who knows about this great pumpkin. And all the other kids are going to go off trick-or-treating, or as they call it in that show, tricks-or-treating. Anybody notice that when you watch that? We're going to go out for tricks or treat. Just me. Okay. <laughs> in any case, all the other kids go off. Well, Linus convinces Sally, Charlie Brown's little sister, to come with him. Because remember, she's got this little infatuation thing going with Linus. So he brings her out to the, to the, uh, to the pumpkin patch, and they're hanging out. And the other kids go, tricks or treating. And then they come out to the pumpkin patch, say hi to Linus and Sally, and they say, hey, we're going to go off to this Halloween party. You guys want to come? And Sally's like, yeah, I want to come. I don't want to miss out. I already missed the trick-or-treating. So she starts to go with the other kids. And then she looks back at Linus all by himself. And then the cartoon hearts start you know, going. And so she goes back to Linus. And, and they wait even longer in the pumpkin patch. So it's getting dark. There they are. They're waiting. And all of a sudden, the shape starts rising up. And Linus like, it's the great pumpkin, it's the great pumpkin. He faints, he passes out, he's so excited for the great pumpkin. He passes out. And then he wakes up, he's like, what I missed? Did he leave us any toys? What I miss? But of course, the big shape was not the great pumpkin, it was Snoopy. It was Snoopy. And when Sally realizes what's happened, she gives one of the great diatribes ever given in a kid's cartoon. She says, I was robbed! I spent the whole night waiting for the great pumpkin and I could have been out for tricks or treats. And then she covers her mouth. Oh, Halloween is over and I missed it. Halloween is over and I missed it. You blockhead. You kept me up all night waiting for the great pumpkin and all that came was a beagle. I'll sue. I didn't get a chance to go out for tricks or treats. What a fool I was. I could have had candy and apples and gum and cookies. And all sorts of things. But no, I had to listen to you, you blockhead. What a fool I was. Tricks or treats comes only once a year, and I, and I miss it by sitting here in this pumpkin patch with a blockhead. You owe me restitution. <laughs> I mean, we were watching that with the kids. I'm like, ooh, I feel bad. For <laughs> we actually thought about not going, kids, but I see now that would have been a mistake, you know. <laughs> And so we feel for Sally, right? And injustice has happened and somebody's got to make it right. And certainly we've been in a spot, right, where something like that has happened. A wrong has happened, an injustice has happened, and there's something deep within us that cries out for it to be made right. Well, in our text, Jesus is traveling through Jerusalem. And the text says a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Well, how does a chief tax collector get wealthy? Well, he collects more than the people are required to pay, right? 
And he does the, he does the thing where actually he doesn't do the collecting of the taxes himself. He has these toll collectors under him who do the dirty work of collecting from the people what they owe and then some extra. And then that comes to someone like Zacchaeus. He takes his cut off the top and sends the, the rest along to Rome. It's like he takes from everyone's Halloween candy and he takes all the good stuff. Right? He takes the, the large Snickers, the king size Baby Ruth, the Sour Patch Kids. What else is a good one? Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. The Gobstoppers. Right? He takes all the good stuff and he leaves them with what? Tootsie Rolls. Exactly. Tootsie Rolls and Dum Dums. Tracks. And the tracks, yeah. That's right. I wasn't even thinking that low, but yes. He leaves them with the, the Tootsie Rolls and the Dum Dums and says, you suckers. Oh, the Dum okay. That's bad. Right, but this isn't about candy, is it? It's not about candy. This is about real people in real people's lives. Right? It's moms and dads and kids and field workers and day laborers and neighbors. It's people who used to own their own farms, but they had to sell them because they couldn't pay the taxes and the tribute that was owed. And now, instead of owning their own farm, they're working this land that used to be theirs, and they're working at subsistence level. These people are barely able to put food on the table because of this financial oppression. And so this Zacchaeus is a bad guy who's a part of a bad system that he is helping make worse. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, get out of that tree. We're doing lunch at your place today. Well, the people see this and they think, what? Jesus, we thought you were with us. Don't go with that guy. But you see, Jesus sees everyone as someone. Someone to love, someone to get to know, someone to have a meal with, someone that God loves. And so Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus gladly. And little does he know that he's about to have a campfire moment with Jesus. So he encounters Jesus, and like me as a, as a boy at summer camp, he signs up, right? He gets saved. But what is this salvation? Does this mean that Zacchaeus is now going to go to heaven when he dies? Does this mean that Zacchaeus can sleep easy at night because he's not going to go to hell? Does it mean he can keep doing what he's doing and put his feet up because he's got it made in this life and the next? Well, on closer inspection, we notice that something happens before Jesus pronounces salvation. Zacchaeus says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll give back four times the amount. I don't like to share half my Halloween candy, let alone half of my possessions. This is serious stuff he's talking about. And Jesus' salvation has come because he sees something. He sees someone whose heart is broken open. Someone who knows that they've participated in deep injustice, but that God's economy looks different than that. As Sally would put it, he's no longer a blockhead. He makes restitution. He invites people to the Halloween party. He gives back the candy. And this isn't something that he's sort of 
mutteringly doing, or it's not some heavy obligation, right? It's joy-filled, right? He's now filled with a vision of God's kingdom that's filled with justice and peace in a place where everyone has enough and we're all called to do our part to ensure that it is so. When Jesus talks about salvation, I don't think it was the same thing I was hearing about at summer camp. Richard Rohr puts it this way. The common Christian understanding that Jesus came to save us by a cosmic evaluation plan that is being saved from hell for heaven, he says that's really very individualistic, petty, and even egocentric. But that's the view I grew up with. Rohr says this view demands no solidarity with anyone except oneself. He says, we've whittled the good news down into what Jesus could do for us privately and personally rather than God inviting us to participate in God's universal creative work. Jesus is inviting us to something so much bigger and grander and participatory and inclusive. And yet we're often presented with a disembodied gospel. Gospel that really doesn't make any difference right now. And Jesus says, Today, salvation has happened. Today, people have something to eat who didn't have something to eat yesterday. Today, where there was formerly injustice, now there is some justice. Today, there is peace where there wasn't yesterday. Imagine if we lived into this vision that Jesus speaks of. Imagine if we responded as Zacchaeus did. What would our economy look like? What would the poverty rates be like? What would our neighborhoods look like? What would our attitude and response be to the Native Americans after a history of violence, murder, slavery, and theft. To African Americans, to certain immigrant populations, to women in the church. What would these relationships look like if we had an inkling of Zacchaeus's attitude? He says, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I'm not saying this is easy stuff. But I do think it's Jesus stuff. And let's not forget our reading earlier from the prophet Isaiah, which Scott read for us, where God says this worship thing, if it's not accompanied by real justice, then maybe I'm not that into it. I think that's a good word for us, right? As we begin this worshiping community, which I am so excited about. I'm excited you guys are here. I'm excited we have all these kids. And let's allow what this is, right? To live into, as what John Dominic Crossan said, 
making a difference in real bodies, in real lives. And I think for many of us, that's why we're here today, because we want that. And we sense that that is what God and Jesus are inviting us into. We're invited to be participants in the goodness that God wants to unleash on the world. And that is a pretty awesome thing. And let's not delay. Because our world needs this love, this compassion, this justice, this salvation. Not next week, not next year, not next election cycle. It needs it, as Jesus said, today. Amen. And namaste.
And now, may you remember that the world is too beautiful to be praised by only one voice. And may you have the courage to sing your part. And may you remember that the world is too broken to be healed by only one set of hands. So may you have the courage to use your gifts. As you go, may the light of God shine upon you and within you and through you. Amen. And go in peace. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Holland Area Arts Council in downtown Holland. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.